This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today, my guests on Off the Shelf are Mike Parrish. Mike is the Chief Acquisition Officer at the Department of Veteran Affairs. And Phil Christie, who is the Deputy Executive Director, uh, Office of Acquisition, Logistics, and Construction uh, at the VA as well. And uh, gentlemen, uh, thanks so much for being on the show and welcome. Thanks, Roger. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation today. We're going to be talking about uh, the VA, some of its key uh, management and procurement initiatives and its uh, continuing efforts and ongoing support of veterans' health care. Um, across our nation. Um, the Office of Acquisition, Logistics, and Construction plays a key role in the VA, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about, about that in particular, but first I want to give uh, Mike, you, and Phil an opportunity to talk a little bit about your backgrounds and what brought you to the VA. So, Mike? Sure. Thanks, Roger. Um, for experience, uh, I think many of you know that you know, I grew up as an Army brat, and I was fortunate enough to graduate from West Point back in 1985 and flew attack helicopters and but the mid-career, when the uh, Defense Acquisition Workforce Improvement Act started, uh, mid-90s, I was fortunate enough to go to Stanford to get a master's in astronautical engineering and got into the acquisition core for the Army and spent some time doing advanced R&D with DARPA and other programs and kind of grew up in the, in the DAU, DOD world. Um, from there, I was uh, uh, in the late 90s, I wound up moving over to GE to General Electric and became a program manager there working on some complex systems. Uh, I was fortunate up there to get an MBA from Wharton, um, specializing in corporate finance and was able to move through the ranks at, as a senior executive uh, in GE and then left and started my own business. And it was a service that disabled veteran-owned small business. So I had that experience of working with VA from the outside looking in. Um, and throughout that time, I also uh, taken over a couple of publicly traded companies and did various type of corporate work um, and not-for-profit uh, activities. Finished up uh, most recently before this job, I was a professor of practice at West Point teaching engineering management. And then uh, I was asked to come down and take this role back uh, on my first uh, day was March of uh, 2021. Okay. And Phil? Thanks for having us, Roger, and everyone to the listening audience. Hello and thank you. Uh, Just a quick uh, kind of overview. Uh, Right out of high school, I enlisted in field artillery and became part of a, a Lance missile crew member, which was a nuclear weapon and uh, and that was in the early 90s and part of SALT treaties that MOS went away and the Army said, hey, would you like to continue your career as an officer? And I transitioned over to the Medical Service Corps and retired And as a Medical Service Corps officer. Uh, I really got to do every mission within OALC. I've done acquisition, logistics and construction. And I'll throw one more on there is hospital administration. And so I was very blessed in my career. I probably equally served in each one of those subject areas. And so in uh, almost a perfect match to the VA's mission in this particular office. So background in construction, logistics and acquisition. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question. You know, there's commonality in terms of your service. And thank you both for your service. That experience of being in the military, how has that sort of formed, you know, your approach to your professional life, I guess, and I know a better way to say it. Mike? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, this current role is is personal to me. It's a, it's a job of passion. It's not about a career. It's not about uh, um, doing anything other than serving my fellow veteran as a fellow service able veteran is I want to make sure that uh, I'm helping, you know, improve every day the access and outcomes for our veterans. And you know, I kind of say myself sometimes for some of the programs we work on, I treat myself as a secret shopper. If, if this, you know, helps, see if I can can relate to to what we're doing to make it better for our, our fellow veterans, then and that's kind of really my main driving. Wake up every day and, you know, am I doing the best I can for my veterans and, and for all our teammates inside VA doing that same effort? And, and that's that's kind of what's driven me uh, to this. And, you know, it fits the mantra from what I learned in the, you know, back in, in the DOD procurement world and uh, was, you know, we deliver what we promise, we delivered on time, we delivered on our budget. And that's kind of my, my driving function of cost schedule performance and, and risk. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that in some of your major projects in a, in a few minutes. Uh, Phil? Yes, yeah, yeah. So as I had mentioned before, I enlisted in 1990 and uh, retired in 2016. And I entered the Army at war and left the Army, and it was still at war. Uh, I spent a good probably almost eight years living outside of our borders. And what that does is give you a lot of understanding of the veteran community and what they have been through and what their families go through. And it's the old adage of, hey, wanting to make sure I continue to serve uh, my battle buddy, you know, a term that's, you know, used within the Army with the most affectionate of your brothers and sisters and taking care of them. You know, no, no, no greater way to do that than at the VA and to make sure uh, for those who have served uh, that we continue that mission with them uh, all the way to their final memorialization. And so for me, it's about service to veterans and my brothers and sisters that have served. In that regard, I, let's start talking a little about, you know, what you're actually doing, too. And first, I just uh, I think it's important to talk a little bit about um, the Office of Acquisition, Logistics and Construction and just did the role it plays in the VA. Uh, for those who, who may not be as, as familiar with the VA, it's central to, you know, it's almost like a nerves, the nerve center of a lot of what goes on from a procurement perspective, obviously, logistics, all those things as in the title. And you know, we start with Mike and then go to Phil, just talk a little about how you see the role. And, you know, Phil in particular, you've done multiple different roles within the organization. So I'd be interested in your thoughts. But Mike? Back a little bit on the on the background part is, you know, I had the unique experience of, of running a small business, service-stable veteran-owned small business, but also running a large uh, corporate structure and, and having some of these uh, transformational projects under my belt from the GE days when e-commerce first started up and did a lot of that work. And, you know, coming into this role, we were a very large organization, you know, uh, in, in my my role as chief acquisition officer, you know, we have oversight. I'm the senior advisor to the secretary uh, on all things acquisition. You know, we have oversight of, of you know, all 17,000 acquisition professionals in the department. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a uh, estimate about a $40 billion spend that comes directly through the organization and have oversight of about a hundred billion dollar in major acquisition programs. And so there's a lot of, a lot of work on anything that moves through uh, the VA uh, through OALC. Um, you know, as you mentioned with construction, with all the facilities, 2000 plus facilities, 170 disparate hospitals uh, that in, in what we say is the largest integrated hospital system in, in America or in the world. But um, the main focus, again, is really focusing on our veterans and improving that, that access and outcomes with the structure that we are today. Bill? Yeah, so, you know, I'll take it just a little arc it a little different back as to, you know, the different visibilities I've had in the different positions at the VA. Um, you know, one thing that comes to light is uh, with any large organization change, 
can be hard. And two, a full understanding internally to a large organization, how all the parts and pieces work uh, and come together. But, you know, one thing that I think is great about the leadership team now within the OLC uh, uh, organization is really focused on life cycle, right? So at times, certain pieces might kind of eclipse others because of different things going on. But one of the things that we're really trying to do is work the end-to-end life cycle of acquisition, right? So now we're talking big A type stuff, you know, procurement's a part of that, uh, but also the program management. And uh, we, we really find a really deep and important nexus between the program management and procurement parts, right? So early understanding of requirements and what are you trying to do and how does that drive to the larger VA mission and strategies become really important. Look, we spend a lot of money at the VA every single year, you know, over $40 billion a, a year through procurements. Uh, and these are, you know, always tied to almost every single large initiative that's either uh, called out by the president or the Congress or the secretary uh, himself. And so really, really important stuff that uh, that you tie together from an acquisition. Right. So you start it. But how do you make sure that it finishes strong and you get what you're trying to do from a strategy perspective at the VA uh, and procurement and um, acquisition are really uh, crucial items in that. Yeah, along those lines, I wanted, from an acquisition perspective, I think one of the things that people always ask me about is the relationship between OLIC and the Veterans Health Administration from a procurement perspective. Can you talk a little bit about that, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. So when you do think of the OALC, think of it, uh, and and I'm hesitant to use those terms, but I am trying to draw an analogy people might understand. Think of it as like the headquarters of policy and oversight. And so although within the OALC family, we do have strategic execution arms, another big portion of our mission, though, is that policy and oversight. And so obviously the authorities for anybody in the VA that's doing anything from an acquisition, so your PMs, COs, uh, contracting officers, et cetera, does stem from the authority to, from the secretary to Mike as the CAO, uh, down to our senior procurement executive and down to contracting officers and appointment. And so there is uh, a direct connection uh, to VHA, you know, the Healthcare Administration, a VBA, the benefits, right? And then also NCA for cemeterial uh, uh, activities. And so there is absolutely a connection between all the administrations and staff offices uh, that make up the larger VA from a complete acquisition perspective. Right. And you know what, guys, we're up on our first break. So when we come back, we can start talking about a little bit about some of your key initiatives, what things, Mike, in particular, you, you looked at the organization and whether it's the administration's primary focus, uh, the secretary or Congress's, some of the things you guys are trying to implement. My guests okay. today are Mike Parrish. He's the chief acquisition officer and Phil Christie, the deputy executive director within the Office of Acquisition Logistics and Construction at the Department for, uh, of Veterans Affairs. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Mike Parrish and Phil Christie. Mike is the Chief Acquisition Officer at the VA, and Phil is the Deputy Executive Director in OALC at the VA. Um, and we're talking about VA procurement, VA management, what, you know, what's going on right now. We're going to start talking about some of the key initiatives. And, you know, at the end of the last segment, Phil's talked a lot about how OALC supports, 
you know, the folks out in the field and the operations. And I know, Mike, you wanted to pick up a little bit on that from, you know, some of the policy work that you've done and that sort of thing that's providing support to those operational contracting officer types. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess just for background, when I first came on to running acquisition, you know, the, the non-acquisition professionals thought that, that, you know, VA acquisition was, was limited to just contracting. And we know that, you know, reality acquisition is, is cradle to grave, as Phil had mentioned before. So one of the big pushes we're doing is, is educational or across the enterprise to, you know, express an awareness that uh, acquisition is more than just procurement. It starts with the original concept, the innovation, the idea, and it's establishing that business need. And then from, from that business need is, how do we define success? And once we identify what success is, the measures of success, how do we evaluate that? And how do we know that we've achieved that? And part of that is, is establishing you know, proper criteria, proper objectives, proper goals that are measurable and actionable that apply to whatever program it is we're starting. And then from there, we go into the traditional solicitation and procurement and then the sustainment. So it goes from cradle all the way to grave. And we're, we're making good progress in that area from a governance uh, standpoint, a you know, a transparency and a jointness uh, standpoint. So that, that's kind of the big push that I've been doing at a strategic level in VA. And I think you'll see more of that as we go forward. Phil, if you want to add any more to that? Yeah, hey, Mike, I'll just kind of tag on to, uh, you know, the big big picture stuff there, but really kind of hone into a missing piece that, that, that the VA that we have strengthened and continue to strengthen and formalize with easy to use tools for folks anywhere in the VA. So even if you're not fully understanding what acquisition is, a first-time customer, or even somebody to, that is experienced and getting into kind of a, a, an ability to be able to replicate good business processes. I think it's, uh, for those who don't know, the VA is on a high-risk list for acquisition management. Um, in the last couple of years, we have put a lot of work into overcoming uh, those risks identified at the VA. One of those is through the acquisition lifecycle framework. We're putting the finishing touches on that. But this provides two things, right? It talks about that policy you talked about, but it takes it down to the next level of uh, a very easy to use roadmap and tools so anyone can navigate the uh, acquisition process. It doesn't matter what role or responsibility you have uh, in that uh, um, process, but it's it's called out there. And so that's a lot of this, right, is a lot of uh, teaching and providing, you know, if you will, the resources to anybody that's going to be involved in the acquisition uh, process to have those tools at their fingertips, c- accompanied by the talent and the resources we have in the VA to help people through that. Yeah, and, and Roger, uh, I was going to add that uh, Phil reminded me of one thing on on easy to use is, you know, we've said a doctrine uh, for anything that new that comes into the VA is, is what we call EII, which is easy to use, integrated and intelligent. And so back, as I mentioned, those early requirements, we want to make sure that, that we focus on human centered design and, and user adaptability up front. I think it's called change management in other terms, but, but we want to make sure that whatever things we're, we're putting here, be it a widget or service or whatnot, that we're focusing on our our internal teammates to make sure that we're increasing that access and outcome. So easy to use is, is the inherent, you know, be able to take something out of the box and just understand it without having to have an advanced degree to, to figure out the training necessary. Integrated is no longer do we want to buy single silo type of uh, procurements. We want to do things that are integrated across the enterprise that, that apply to the system and that, that meet our strategic goals in, in VA and that have that, that enterprise view. And then finally in today's era of big data with all the, all the data that we have, we have a huge wealth of it, is, is intelligent. We want to be able to apply machine learning, deep learning, uh, any kind of uh, computational intelligence to be predictive and allow us to, 
to have evidence-based decision-making for the leadership and for all of us. And that's, that's a big component and game changer, I think, in VA, uh, the EIA doctrine. Yeah. And that last point about data, that is going to be so moving forward. The, the ability to analyze the data to figure out right. business operations and what that means, not just for all you know, your internal stakeholders, for also your external stakeholders mm-hmm. as well. And on that note, um, one of the words you used uh, during you know, the last eight couple answers, uh, uh, Mike, was transparency. And I just want to give you a chance to sort of provide your approach to that, because one of the things we have uh, definitely your and Phil's leadership is a lot of engagement and outreach to industry. Sure. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk more in detail about uh, some of the, the, the specific things we're doing. But that that main concept is, you know, start with jointness and in, internal to VA. We want to make sure that all components have a have equity at the table or sit at the table. And, and it's not just, you know, one organization or another. So we while one group might not be the main effort, they still have some second and third order effects to whatever project it is. We make sure all my meetings, I make sure they're, they're joint across the enterprise. And then to the transparency component, um, we want to make sure that we also include our industry partners and we want to make sure that, you know, we're getting their feedback. So no longer is it, you know, we versus they, but we're encouraging communication with industry prior to a solicitation. And we want to make sure that we get it right. And, you know, we'll talk more in a moment, but, but the idea is, you know, I'd rather do all the hard work up front to get a solicitation proper and to make sure all questions are answered, you know, working with teammates internally in the field as well as externally with industry before we go out and actually compete something. So it's it's us inside VA understanding what the art of the possible is from outside. And, and everything is no longer in that transparency part also is, is no longer is it just a technology solution, everything, you know, what I call quantitative. But it needs to also include the qualitative aspect, that user adoption, that that yeah. easy to use integrated intelligent aspect. So it's quantitative and qualitative that needs to be discussed and identified before we ever start bending metal, as I say, you know, start spending money. Phil, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, you know, I think you touch on this and hopefully you know, a lot of your listening audience will appreciate this is, you know, Mike and I and the leadership team within the, the acquisition community really making strong efforts to make sure we're communicating with industry, right? You know, at times uh, inside, we think we may have a requirement or we think we have something that uh, uh, makes sense to us internally to the VA, but uh, then getting that uh, check, if you will, from industry, a valuable partner of, hey, this is how we're thinking about it. These are, these is what we're, what we're thinking. And, and then to getting into the practice of really trying to share as much of a requirement early and often. So when we get to no kidding, go time, i.e. solicitations are being released, uh, industry's prepared and understands what the requirement is. And so we can have just, you know, no kidding, good, honest competition amongst vendors, uh, and at the end of the day, I think we all win from the perspective of making sure, uh, does the acquisition do what we need it to do? And let's hook it back to veterans, right? At the end of the day, whatever we're doing, it's all in the vein of the veteran. And if, we, if we're if we not getting to success and getting to those outputs uh, and accomplish what, what we were trying to do from a strategy and business perspective, you know, the acquisition doesn't help us uh, with the veteran. And that's what we're trying to connect is those dots from veteran point of care or point of service back to 
uh, whatever the, the item is that we're trying to procure or go through the acquisition process, that it's delivering on value to the veteran uh, at the end of the day. That That's the most important thing that I think, uh, uh, you know, the first, first part of the interview, you talked about, hey, you know, why do you come here? And I think it's that, right? The spirit at the VA is, uh, hey, people are committed to veterans and making sure that each and every one of them get what they deserve and that we're taking care of them just like we take care of our own family. Yeah, it's, it seems to me like listening to you two guys, It's uh, I, I started thinking because I've been reading more about um, some of the executive orders in the Biden administ- the administration's focus on the customer experience, right? Customer being the American people or in the case of the VA, you know, prim- obviously the veteran and taking care of the veteran. It seems that's something that's reflected in what you're talking about and just generally what we're seeing from the VA. Is that fair? I'm going to say 100%, Roger, that that is the mantra. And the beauty of that is that that, that actually cuts across uh, other organizations going to be. It's just not Mike and I, right? I think you're going to walk up and down any hallway. You could ask that same question and you're going to get the same answer. People are here because they love the mission and they want to take care of veterans. And, and that's at the forefront of everyone at the VA uh, is to take care of veterans. Mike, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with Phil. Yeah. Okay. So when we come back, guys, we're going to uh, start diving into some of your key initiatives, specific uh, procurement and management initiatives that you're going on. That it's, it's really interesting, exciting stuff. My guests today are Mike Parrish. He's the chief acquisition officer. And Phil Christie is the deputy executive director. They're in the Office of Acquisition Logistics and Construction at the VA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Mike Parrish. He's the Chief Acquisition Officer. And Phil Christie is a Deputy Executive Director in the Office of Acquisition Logistics and Construction at the VA. And we're talking about VA procurement, VA management initiatives that uh, Mike and Phil are working on. And um, there's some really interesting and new stuff going on in VA procurement and supply chain modernization, two of the key things that Mike and Phil are focusing on. Um, so let's start with uh, something that you launched uh, just very recently, the Pathfinder um, initiative. So what is Pathfinder and what are you trying to accomplish? Sure, uh, Roger. So for the listening audience, it's pathfinder.va.gov. And what it is, it's a uh, it's a, it, what we call a, a web aggregator. So it's our first EII, easy to use integrated intelligent uh, system uh, that's online. And it's it's what we affectionately call for our business aspects, the front door to doing business with the VA. I call it the fusion of acquisition and innovation. So that's the first of its kind. So it solves three problems, really. First of all, is exactly as I mentioned before, is that cradle to grave concept. And that's the innovation side. You know, we're, what we're doing is we have a realization that you know, the VA is, is, is had a long legacy of, of very innovative ideas. Uh, for your audience may or may not have known that, you know, the VA invented the pacemaker. And uh, we had our first telehealth appointment back in 1967. So a lot of things are, have, have been going on for decades. And we are always very, very innovative in the, in the, the VA world. But we realize with the, with the new day and age of, of innovating with speed and, and the way technological advances happen is we want to collaborate again with our budding entrepreneurs and innovators. And so on the innovation side, we want to help capture and help grow uh, potential new innovations that may apply to VA. So those that, that have new ideas that, that want help or need help or think that the VA can, you know, um, acquire their, their potential new technologies is go through the innovation portion of Pathfinder. And it'll take you to a, a live team that, that will identify early on if it fits a strategic goal and if it's innovative and it's something that we can help 
commercialize and incubate. And then ultimately part of that cradle to grave idea is that then would then merge into the acquisition side where it would then become a, a sourced, you know, into VA as, as a tool that we then could use. So on the other side, it solves the other two problems of on the sales side, selling just for those uh, vendors that one, it helps capture, uh, you mentioned some of the made in America initiatives and ideas is, is helps capture uh, otherwise people that we weren't aware of that maybe our small businesses or even large businesses that manufacture products in, in America, which is the transition of, of our supply chain, not just VA supply chain, but American supply chain back to, to American manufacturing. But what it really does is, is it solves the, the black hole perception, you know, where vendors would send us information and then it just goes into somewhere and nobody knows where it is. So for that component is there's a live body at the end of this. And so as you go through the questions, um, it captures and it, it helps intelligently guide you to the right person. And there's 10 groups that are, that, that are tied into the OMB designated what we call category management. Yeah. And, and there's 10 different big purchase buckets of, you know, IT and services and travel, et cetera. So we have a person at the end of that that has a that I've given the team a task of seven or seven days to respond back with a live response, either telephonically or email, not just a canned response, um, to be able to capture that in in that that area. And that there's not always going to be a purchase need, but at least we'll identify that and have somebody that, that they then can communicate with. And then on the inside, it, same problem is is a lot of us, you know, in the 375,000 person uh, organization is is we get an email from somebody they want to sell something. And even me as the chief acquisition officer, I have no idea where to go. So, you know, it spends time trying to figure out who the right person is that I can guide someone to. Pathfinder does that automatically. And so it, 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 that, that helps move things uh, along more efficiently. And it, it's that collaborative model. And that's really the game changer. And, you know, for everyone else's awareness, is this could be something that the rest of government is also looking at as an idea to help do that cradle to grave, capture the data, and, and actually work more efficiently uh, from a from a procurement standpoint. And what's the um, website again? It's pathfinder.va.gov. Just real quickly, how's the reception been from some of your key stakeholders? Uh, it's it's been great. My I think my favorite uh, response was this is an eleven out of five from a from a usability oh, standpoint. So I, 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 we, we have good, good feedback. And I think there's been very limited uh, negative feedback other than some of the technical challenges, but we're continuing cool. to grow. And part of this learning organization is we want to make this much more robust. So more on the data side and more to the data capture. But, you know, one of our early wins is, is you know, we've struggled. We, we do very well in small business procurement in VA, um, but we've always struggled with women-owned small businesses. And, and this, in just the, the few weeks that we've had it out, has is, is helped us identify six women-owned businesses that could potentially uh, do business with this MBA. So um, it's more to follow on, on that, but Great. I think it's extremely successful so far. Great. Another, you know, big initiative that um, your, your office is responsible for, I'm going to turn to Phil on this one is, is you have the strategic acquisition center that is responsible for the medical surgical prime vendor procurements, Phil. So where are we on those right now? Yeah, so this will probably warm everyone's heart. Uh, we're anticipating releasing the solicitation by the end of the month. Um, but I, I want to also use this as a highlight here, Roger. You asked uh, previously, how does our office in the, um, in this case, the Veterans Health Administration interact? This has been a great collaboration. And, and two, part of the maturity of the acquisition community in a lot of uh, observations have been made about the MedSurge Prime Vendor Program over the years, either through IG, GAO, industry uh, feedback. Uh, this particular solicitation when it'll go out will address many of those things and correct many of those items that have been uh, addressed by others as risks. 
Uh, and so this is kind of a proud moment for us to go, hey, we're mature enough to reflect and understand what that is, build into uh, the contract documents of to how do we fix some of those problems that the VA has seen over the years. Uh, so looking very, looking very forward to this coming out and encouraged by the teamwork as a whole from industry to VHA and to the OLC team of putting together this product. So again, uh, good news here. You should see it out on the streets on SAM.gov by the end of the month. So the end of uh, end of this month, August. Correct. Excellent. That's uh, yeah, I know folks are very interested in seeing what what it's going to look like, um, and um, you know one of the things also in the context that I know the VA has explored and uh, you know probably continues to explore over time eventually is how uh, you you can work with other organizations, and so I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up you know where where things are with DLA and that relationship. And I might throw in there, Phil, a little bit, you know, how, how things are with GSA, if that's fair. Yeah, no, any, anything's fair. And I think, you know, hopefully you always take that from Mike and I and the whole leadership team at the VA is, you know, let's talk about anything. Let's be transparent and have hard and honest conversations. So specifically the DLA question, uh, the VA, uh, just just for those who don't know, there's actually a statute that mandates the, the VA and DLA work together on uh, jointness and sharing of resources, especially within the healthcare uh, part of the business lines. Uh, and so we that, again, as strong as ever. Now, we do have to work through some uh, differences of uh, some requirements the VA has, i.e., that's first. Uh, the DOD has. Obviously, they have mission readiness issues for the military force. Right. And so sometimes these things are uh, not as compatible as we want them to be. And so you have to, if you will, work through those things to see where connection points can be made. Uh, but across the board, uh, you know, Mike and I were just at DLA a couple weeks ago, just talking about all kinds of initiatives. So not just in the med space, but all categories. And I'll use right. those as a frame of reference here is the 10, 10 categories recognized uh, by the federal government. Uh, and, you know, I want to just kind of hit there, you know, Roger, another initiative. You know, the VA in the last two or three years has really doubled down. And uh, in our category management efforts, you know, and now we're up close to almost 90 percent, you know, spend under management uh, under the category management programs. And that just kind of goes to you know, the maturity of how we're buying things, how we're working to make sure we're leveraging tools and best practices and other procurements from other organizations. You had asked about, hey, how is it working with GSA? You know, any time that we can leverage somebody else's best practice or best tool or best contracting instrument, we are all in favor of that. Uh, we, we do kind of approach this from a whole of government perspective, and it's all going to go right back to what I said before. Anything that will give the veteran the best service or the best uh, thing that we can provide them, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're not uh, trying to say, oh, it's got to be created at the VA. If somebody does it better, we want to use that tool or that instrument for the end game of making the, everything the best we can for veterans. And so, uh, frankly, we search and seek uh, opportunities to find that somebody's doing something really well that we can, you know, borrow and use to deliver, you know, mission results for us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to be clear, I'm talking about the collaboration on procurement issues between you and DLA as, as, as uh, that area. So, right. you know what, we're already up on the break guys. So I think the next segment we're going to wholly dedicate to talking about supply chain modernization, the VA's big effort. And Mike is uh, leading that effort and there's a, a lot has transpired and a lot to talk about there. So, so we'll focus on that when we come back. My guests today are Mike Parrish. He's the chief acquisition officer 
and Phil Christie. He's the Deputy Executive Director within the Office of Acquisition Logistics and Construction at the VA. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guests today are Mike Parrish. He's Chief Acquisition Officer and Phil Christie, the Deputy Executive Director there in the Office of Acquisition Logistics and Construction at the VA. And this segment, we're going to talk about supply chain modernization for most of it. But I wanted to turn back to Phil. Um, Phil I think you, you, there's, a, there's at least one more key initiative you wanted to mention before we get into the what I would call the big kahuna, the yeah, supply no, chain it, modernization. It, it, yeah, thanks, Roger. And I know, you know, from a logistics perspective, supply chain is is really important. But from a larger VA, I want to make sure that we capture the topic of PACDAC. For those who don't know that, I, I, we can't get to it uh, here in this short amount of time, but go to va.gov slash PACT and you'll be able to read all the, the Q&As there. Also do a Google search and you'll come across a whole bunch more information on this. But please go check this out. Sorry, we don't have time to talk about it today, but I think Roger's going to invite us back. Yeah, I will definitely be inviting you guys back to talk about that in particular. That's um, that's a wonderful thing that we've done as a nation for our veterans. And then, uh, you know, and you guys are the ones who got to execute on it along with the rest of the VA. So best of wishes on getting that done as well. So, and speaking of getting things done, uh, Mike, I want to now talk to you about uh, VA supply chain modernization. And I know, I believe you were tapped by the secretary to sort of lead this effort and look at the VA's overarching um, supply chain, both internally, externally. And I'm just going to open it up, talk about it. What is it? What are you trying to accomplish? And what are some of the key milestones? I know that's a lot to unpack, but I'm confident you can handle it. Well, I'll try to do that in under 10 minutes because we could talk a long time. Um, yeah. So for, for those who may not know, our, our supply chain modernization effort is one of three major efforts we're doing in VA. You know, we, we're modernizing our electronic health records. We're modernizing our financial system. And then, oh, by the way, we're doing our supply chain modernization. And so about a year ago, a little uh, less than a year ago, we, uh, we were given the task to kind of evaluate, you know, and come up with an enterprise-wide comprehensive supply chain modernization strategy and plan. You know, if you think of, of how disparate, how large and how bifurcated our supply chain is in the VA, part of our challenge is, is our modernization. And, and how do we work, uh, as I said, with the, the easy-to-use, integrated, and intelligent type of systems? Because we have multiple different disparate systems that, that have all grown over the decades and, and have gotten to the point now that, that it's kind of a burdensome and non-efficient system. And so there have been met, many efforts that have They've gone about on assessing different components of our supply chain, uh, but not one enterprise, uh, successful one enterprise evaluation. So we're taking the enterprise approach, making sure that all components are, are covered. And uh, the, the, the key game changer, the, the winning pieces we mentioned earlier is, is that industry involvement as well as our field involvement. So it's not just starting from scratch. We're taking all those assessments and evaluations of the individual components and we're cobbling together. So we spent the fall figuring out as is our as is structure. Like what does the VA supply chain look like? And it's uh, we have a 14 foot long, 14 by about eight foot uh, long uh, piece of paper that kind of has line items of everything cradle to grave from the original idea all the way through uh, to disposition. And there's gaps and we've identified some functional gaps. And, you know, what, what's exciting about this is that jointness and transparency where the teams are working together collaboratively with industry to, to help make the VA a better place. But the biggest part is, you know, definitionally, what is the supply chain in VA? It's basically, if it moves through VA, people, processes, the technology or widgets, it applies to the supply chain. So everything is in scope from facilities to IT to, to obviously medical surgery prime to 
high-tech equipment to cemetery services to general equipment and, and, and whatnot. So it's all added in there. I call it a systems of systems approach. So it's kind of for the systems engineers of the world. It's, you know, we're, we're looking at the individual Rubik's Cube type of square. So there are lots of uniqueness in those individual pharmaceutical lines and prosthetics and, and, and et cetera. But then you also have the overall VA supply chain that needs to be able to talk to each other and work automatedly and intelligently, as I said. So once we identified the gaps on a procedural standpoint, you know, we've been working diligently to fix some of our processes, business process reengineering, and, uh, you know, working on the people and the structure, but then also looking at technology. And, and we're taking this approach as we've identified our gaps and what we need to do to modernize our system is what I call we're doing a, a, an objective approach, statement of objectives. So I have a philosophy personally that, you know, we in federal government over-engineer things all the time. And so, you know, on a firm fixed price type of contract, Agile is never the most efficient where you're getting a small component and then you're coming back and reevaluating because that just blows the schedule and it, and it changes your entire requirements and therefore changes your budget. So we looked at uh, what I call supply chain 2050 and was pushing the envelope to have the teams think outside the box, think of, of what the future could be and the potential uh, of what they really wanted to see. And that kind of helped get rid of any predispositions of technology. And I always say that the technology solution is the last decision. Let's get our, you know, as I said earlier, let's get our business need, which we all understand the business need portion. Let's establish what success looks like. And then how do we define success? And so we've gone through this and I've pushed the, uh, you know, the, the, what I call the impossible envelope and, and the, the, um, you know, the, the mental slack to get to the point where we were able to actually focus on where we want to be in the art of the possible. And we're there now. And so we've been extremely successful where people, didn't think we'd be at this point that we've identified our systems. We've got a collaborative joint transparent team working with industry and the field. And now we're on the verge of actually rolling out a, a, a potential solicitation. And as I mentioned earlier, the real effort around the solicitation is uh, a collaborative effort. So we want to get all, all of the objectives, right? Not requirements, but objectives. And uh, we want to establish the acquisition strategy and the procurement up front before we actually go into a formal solicitation. And so the formal solicitation, the anticipation is it's going to be a mechanical exercise where, you know, we actually could be a, a very fast and, and efficient uh, deployment. And, and the deployment portion, as you're looking at what we want to do, is we want to roll something out that goes around four major areas in, inside VA and that encompasses all efforts. It's an enterprise-wide visibility into inventory management, into order management, into asset management, both high-tech equipment and facilities. And then, then the, the fourth component is, is a, an enterprise-wide view of our supply chain risk, so supply chain risk management. There's multiple unique aspects inside the VA. Not only are we doing a statement of objectives, but we're doing this as a technology-as-a-service effort. So we want to have whoever the winning bidder is, is have the ability to evergreen and renew the technology. And so the main effort is to meet those objectives as quickly as possible. And by the way, we want to do this as a fixed-price award, fixed-price incentive type of contract, not just firm fixed price. So we want to incentivize that speed to value speed to getting the user adoption in, into the system. And so as soon as you get the, what I say, stop the bleeding, have our users using the system and have that enterprise visibility, then the, the teams have to go back and figure out what we do, what are we to do with all the legacy systems. And so, you know, there's, there's the effort to kind of get that visibility. And then the longer term, more complex effort is going to be how to, how do we address all, all these other systems? And you notice I didn't talk about, you know, cost and, and then the other items, this is a, a best value type of uh, effort. The other piece we're putting here that's, that's very unique and kind of a, in this big complex system is the philosophy that we want to do a competitor prototype. And so we're looking at bidders at the potential um, uh, industry partners 
start off with about 250 plus interested parties in some of these in industry days that we did back in March and April. And uh, based upon their input, we put an initial statement of objectives out. We got 68 pages of feedback back. And so we've been working diligently inside the team. And to Phil's point with with this new effort and this focused effort is uh, these multiple years of kicking the can down the road. Well, that, that stopped now. And so we're having some serious, very candid conversations inside VA and very productive conversations um, in the individual groups, but also collectively, like how do we operate in the VA better? And so there's a lot of goodness process-wise, that qualitative aspect that is coming to fruition. Um, as I said, the technology is the last solution, and that's a piece that we're, we're deploying out or we're getting ready to deploy out. But that competitive prototyping idea where we're getting those finalists or we're going to do a, a, a capabilities assessment phase one to, to um, reduce – come up with potential finalists somewhere between zero and four, as I say. And then those, those groups will have time to go out and actually create a functional prototype. And that prototype is not a throwaway. The intent is to be able to have a, a demonstrable system that gets to be linked into our VA system. So our, our OIT team and others are developing a test bed and some canned data that these the finalists will be able to, to use. And then we're going to take people from the field to be able to evaluate that second phase uh, on the the easy the easy to use integrated intelligent aspects of this of the system, so we're still working through a lot of mechanical aspects, but we're at the point now where what we anticipate doing is rolling out a second um, solicitation draft uh, draft solicitation that probably will be out about the time you, we have this uh, this out on the on the on the wire, and then we are going to do an industry day uh, to kind of explain ourselves to the industry, and then. Uh, we're requesting that the, the potential finalists who are interested in, in actually bidding this have one-on-ones with us to make sure that we get that solicitation right. And then we'll go formal, and that's when all the communication will have to stop formally with, you know, following the following sure. regulations. And then we'll we'll go out to market, and we hope to be able to have something uh, to be able to do that that prototyping and down-selecting by the beginning of the calendar year, FY23. Well, hey, you had an aggressive schedule. So you've had a series of industry days. You've already had one-on-ones, and you've had the draft. It sounds like that's been a very productive exercise and actually a very focusing exercise within the VA about what you're really looking at from a requirements perspective. One last question, and then we got to wrap up because we're on the time. But, you know, you got the IT systems, you got business reprocess engineering, and you've got people um, and changing cultures. In your experience, is that the last piece actually the hardest piece, changing the people's approach to things? It is absolutely, and I've, I, you know, this, uh, as I say, I've done this a couple of times. It's not my first rodeo necessarily, but what it, uh, what it allows us to do is, is kind of really focus on that culture. And the way we do that is have ownership early on. So we're not in a siloed organization doing this by ourselves. And I'm not the one coming up with the ideas. I'm, you know, pushing the effort, but it's the field and it's the individual experts that have to, that are the owners and that have, have helped with this the whole step of the way. And I think that that is a way to speed the user adoption and the ownership of this, but you're absolutely right. That, that culturally is a, is a big challenge for us to accomplish. Right. Guys, we're right at the end of the show. So I want to thank my guest today, Mike Parrish, the chief acquisition officer and Phil Christie, deputy executive director in the office of acquisition logistics and construction at the VA. I'm Roger Walder, and you've been listening to off the shelf on federal news network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.